Good morning. Can get you to just take your seats for a moment. I hear some good fellowship going on. It's a beautiful day today, isn't it? We praise God for that. Amen. So I want to just uh, call attention to uh, our high school and um, college graduates this year. Amen. Some of them are traveling today, but we'll get a chance, and you all know them because they've grown up in Hoffmantown, and that's, that's a good amen. But the first thing I want to do is give glory to God because without God, none of that is possible. And, and the faithfulness of God and how he's walked with every parent uh, uh, through the journey of their high school and college, and it just doesn't end there. We become consultants after that in our, in our children's life. But I just want to give glory to God. A few weeks ago uh, at Mother's Day, we had a baby dedication. And I just want you to fix that in your mind and just fast forward to this moment. Because this is the journey. Pastor Lamar gave us a charge. And he gave the charge to the parents to grow up their children in, in, a, in, a, in a godly environment. To train them. And then he asked us, the body, in order to come alongside and ask us if we're willing to do that. And right now, we, we see that come to fruition with these, with, with these kids who have graduated high school and these kids have graduated college as well. So I just want to recognize them and recognize their parents. And just so when you see them, just stop, congratulate them. And, and keep them in your prayers because God is sending out these beautiful people as, as missionaries within, with, within whatever territory he's entrusted them with. So keep thinking about it in that context, okay? Okay, the first one is uh, Anna Chavez. Okay. Okay. And I want to recognize her mom, uh, Mona Chavez, who's one of our Kids Express teachers, and she just retired uh, this year. And um, Anna graduated from Volcano Vista High School, and she's going to be attending CNM in the fall. And um, just what a blessing. And she happens to be my mother, no, not Anna, my mother-in-law, but, but uh, her mom is my mother-in-law as well. She just loves kids, okay? The next one is the mother and father, Lynn and Peter Chu, and what a blessing that they are. You see Lynn in the orchestra here right now, and it's Jonathan Chu, and uh, he graduated from Baylor University. Okay. Okay. But Jonathan's not, not done yet. He's, he's, he's going on a fellowship um, to acquire his master's as well in Ireland on a Mitchell uh, scholarship there. And his master's is gonna be in politics and, and, and data science. So, man, going to Ireland, I think that's great. Great missionary area there. And please take note of this little sister here, and this is Sarah, okay. And Sarah graduated with high honors, and I love this, graduating from the Chu Homeschool High School. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Sarah's planning on attending Samford University in the fall uh, in Alabama. So, amen. Okay. 
Okay. And here we have Eli Martin, and he graduated from El Dorado. And his mom and dad are Jan and Jeff Martin. As you walk into the door, you'll see them greeting you. And uh, Eli will be attending Texas Tech in the fall, and he plans to major in biochemistry and pursue a career in medicine. No, what's really great is I've been here for 23 years and I've seen these kids grow up and it's just amazing to see the trajectory that they're on and have Christ in their heart. Um, Tiffany Nelson and uh, her mom and dad, Steph, uh, Steve and Jenny, they serve in Awana. Okay. Uh, Tiffany graduated from New Mexico Tech with a bachelor's of science in electrical engineer with a minor in mathematics. She received the Kramer Award only given to two students in the program who ranked the highest in scholarship. Yeah. Okay. Next one up, I believe, is Ian or I? Oh, Hannah. Okay, Anna. Anna, you'll see Anna serve in, in Awana. She's been very, very faithful there. Her parents are Tisha and, and Stan. After graduation, Hannah plans to pursue a teaching license to teach kindergarten to eighth grade students. She plans to share her love and knowledge of science and students and support the next generation of scientists. That's awesome. And she is just a wonderful person in Christ. While in school, Hannah worked uh, in a breast cancer research. It is an undergrad research student under Dr. Kurt Hines. She also minored in psychology and especially interested in neuroscience and neuroanatomy and had a hard time saying that. And she's also getting married as well with Mr. McDonald, uh, with, with Andrew McDonald as well. So continue to keep her in your prayer, okay? Amen. And now you have uh, their other son, their younger son is Ian Strait. And Ian Strait graduated from the home school and he plans to go into police academy, and I think that's awesome. Really, really awesome. And now we have the last two, and that's Jackie and Scott Van Omen. Scott's with the Lord. Um, Alan graduated from the university. He, he graduated from Baylor University, and he's had to go get his master's at the University of Michigan in electrical engineer, engineering. And then we have younger sister, Camille Van Omen. And um, Camille graduated from the home school, and Camille plans to attend in the fall Boyce College in Kentucky. And what a, she has a mission heart in order to serve full time and, and as a missionary after that point. So. <clears throat> I appreciate you just take the time and just congratulate these kids and just continue just when the Lord brings it to mind, just pray for them. They're just fantastic. So let's just do a short prayer for them now. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, you're so glorious and you're so faithful, Father God. I thank you how you've walked with each one of these parents, Lord. And Lord, how you're completing yourself within them. I thank you that you've called, you have called them to yourself, Lord, and you're walking with them. And Lord, now you're sending them out. So Lord, we thank you and we love you. In your heavenly name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Good morning, Hoffintown. I love what Gregory said. I want to give glory to God. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So I'd like to invite you to stand with us as we give glory to God for the great things he has done. Psalm 145.3 says, Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. So join us as we sing this truth.
Amen. Amen. First Peter 2.24 says of Jesus, and he himself bore our sins on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you are healed. So let's sing about this truth and thank God for a sacrifice that he made for us. continue that in prayer. Hallelujah for the cross. 
Hallelujah for the cross. Love has won. Amen. God demonstrated his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love has won. Death is lost. Father God, we thank you um, for your love. And because of that love, we can carry that hope into meeting you face to face one day. Lord, what a beautiful truth that is, Lord. And it's only, only by your grace and only by your love, only by your righteousness, Lord, not anything that we can do. So, Lord, we give you praise. We say hallelujah. We say praise you and bless you, Father God. We are not worthy. Father, thank you. By the wounds of your son, we are now healed forever Lord I do pray if there's someone here today I pray that they can respond to your love and your grace that they may be healed today Father that no longer they are eternally separated but eternally with you Father Father God we lift you high and we pray as we continue to lift you up in song and in word and in prayer Lord, continue to reveal yourself and let us respond, Father, on how you're prompting our hearts, Lord. Lord, we lift up our family members as well. And we thank you. We lift up the people who are traveling today as well. We just pray that they safe their safe return within our body. We pray for their coming home safely, Lord. But Lord, and most importantly, we lift up you and we're thankful and we're grateful. In your heavenly name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Whew, I'm pumped up. That's one of my favorite songs. But let me remind you, it's not about me or us, right? Whatever the song is, the prayer, great. But it's kind of nice when you get one of those in there that you really like. So thank you for that, Dave. Thanks for filling in. Uh, Hopkins are away, and we're grateful they got a little time off. Bless their hearts. I think they're camping a little bit with six children. You know that southern phrase, bless their hearts, right? Okay, just checking, just checking. Hey, what a great way to start the service this morning with graduates. I felt a little bit older when I saw those pictures, and I felt a little dumber when I saw what some of them are about. Isn't that awesome to see all kinds of things, studying, going around the world, serving in law enforcement, uh, uh, just teaching, all those kind of things. It's, it's amazing. It, grateful. Grateful for that and grateful for your support of that. And we do look forward to the day when God brings us more leadership in the children's area and in the students' area. I'm excited about that. And I hope you're praying for that. I hope you're praying. God is moving and we want to be in, in God's will, right in the middle of God's will. And I'm glad you're here on this holiday weekend. How many of you were like me, you didn't have enough money to go out of town? Anybody? <laughs> Yeah, what a good group. I, I always wonder. I'm, you know, I'm newer to Hoppintown, so I don't know. Of course, this is the Memorial Day weekend, and I want to encourage you tomorrow. I hope you remember. We're remembering something different today, Jesus and the, the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection. But I hope you take some time tomorrow to remember those who have given their life for service to this country. And what I would just say about that briefly would be this. I'm grateful that I can gather with you today. And I don't have to do it in secret. Those days may be coming. I don't know. But right now, we can just gather together. We can project across the airways what we're doing. And we have that freedom. So thank, thankful for that. Well, today is a very special day because we're going to observe our Lord's Supper again. And uh, we're going to do something just slightly different as we lead into it. I'm going to be in John chapter 13. You might want to turn there. I'm describing this as an example to remember. We know we're supposed to remember, right? Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. And we remember, this is my body, this is my blood. And Jesus says, remember. I think also there's some other things that we can remember. And Jesus can be our example. And we're going to see that today. When we get to John chapter 13 in the Gospel of John, we, it, it begins what... Uh, Scholars have called the upper room discourse. Have you ever heard that? They end up in the upper room, and Jesus has a lot of teaching. It concludes, I believe, with chapter 17, one of those great chapters in the Bible where Jesus prays, read it sometime, where Jesus prays for himself, and then Jesus prays for his disciples, and then Je this is what I love, Jesus prays for all believers. That includes me and you if you're a believer. And so it's neat to see that. Jesus, in the Upper Room Discourse, discourse gives uh, words of encouragement about the future uh, to the disciples. I mean, their, their world's getting rocked, wouldn't you agree? They're getting ready to lose Jesus' Messiah. And, and they need some encouragement as they take. And they're, they're here to partake of the Passover meal. And after the supper, we know as we read Scripture that Judas is the one, Judas Iscariot, who leaves and he goes to betray. And then Jesus just continues to speak more openly with his disciples. He tells them what's coming. And he says this great statement. Now is the Son of Man glorified. 
and God is glorified in him. So I would encourage you this week to, to read beyond John 13, read 14, 15, 16, and 17, and just see how that works out. But here in this, these, this short passage here, we see, I think, really into the heart of Jesus. You see, Jesus was not so much concerned about himself as he was concerned about his disciples, about preparing them for future ministry. So we're going to read verses 1 through 20. I'm going to break it up and just read it in sections and comment on it. We're going to have some prayer time, and we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. And those of you that have already been looking ahead, you'll know this is the occasion where Jesus washes feet. So let me just tell you something. I was talking about that this morning. I have what my grandkids call a boo-boo toe. Are you familiar with a boo-boo toe? When I was a kid, the, the, the toenail and all that, it, it, it kept getting infected and all that and just problems. And, of course, modern medicine wasn't as modern back then. So you know what they did? They shot up the toe and yanked it out. And never again to have a nice, beautiful, for you ladies, painted toenail. You know, it just, it just looks funny. I don't know. They called it some kind of membrane. I don't know what it is. Hopefully you've already had breakfast. You're not grossed out. But um, when the grandkids came, what I discovered was the grandsons would never want anything to do with boo-boo toe. But the granddaughters would want to touch it. And Finley this morning touched boo-boo toe and told her dad, I touched boo-boo toe. I was trying to put my socks on get ready for church, all right? So, so um, I say that just to say I played on a number of teams. Any of you ever play on teams back when you got changed in the locker rooms and all that? Feet can be really ugly <laughs> and sweaty and nasty. I realize there's some of you out there that get, what are those called? Not manicures, um, pedicures. How did you know that, Marty? Did you see how quick, did you see how quick he responded to that? Yeah, so people go and do that kind of stuff, and there's a reason for it. I, I know they sell stuff, you know, I call them saws or grates, but, you know, they, they clean stuff off and your feet and everything, and we try to clean it up. So, I'm visual. When you see scripture, get the picture of what it was. It wasn't just this nice little thing. It was not so nice. So let's look here at the setting, verses 1 through 3. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world... He loved them to the end. You might want to mark that down. We're not to the end even yet. He's still loving. He loved them to the end. Now, by the time of supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. So this is the setting. Here we are. Uh, it's before the Passover feast. For those of you interested, the 14th day of the first month, Nisan, it's in the early spring. It's a celebration of what? Do you remember? It's a celebration of the children, God's, God's people of the deliverance from Egypt. They're observing that final plague, that 10th one, where finally they were released from bondage and slavery. Big deal. This is the setting. And uh, just, just to note, we believe this to be what we call Maundy Thursday. Anybody ever heard of that term? 
We know Good Friday, but there was a day before that. And according to Mark 15, 42, it clearly states in his gospel that Jesus was crucified on the preparation day prior to the Sabbath. So we knew this to be Thursday or the previous Thursday evening. And I think what's interesting to note in the scripture that we've just read so far is that Jesus knew them and he knows us. That Jesus loved them to the end with the perfect love. And the same is true for us. And it said he knew. What did he know? Well, here's a few things that we can think about and ponder as we prepare for the Lord's Supper today. Jesus knew his hour had come. He knew it had come. He knew his glory was near. He knew, according to Scripture, all things were in his hand. He knew that he had come from God. He knew it was time to depart and go to God, to go to the Father, according to Scripture. He knew he was both Master and Lord. We'll talk about that in a minute. He knew he was about to be, this one blows me away, he knew he was about to be betrayed, and he knew he was about to be denied. Now, I don't know about you, the betrayal was bad, but I wonder how much worse maybe the the denial was from a follower, and yet he knew all this. And yet something amazing happens. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. So that's the setting. Here's the example, verses 4 and 5. For us to remember today. So Jesus got up from supper, laid aside his robe, took a towel, tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Some of them were fishermen. You remember that? Washed the disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. And of course, to get a more uh, complete picture of gospel events, we can always take a look at all four gospel accounts. And in Luke 22, we find something interesting that happens before this event that, uh, that John doesn't record, but God's Holy Spirit leads Luke to record, Luke 22, uh, verses 24 to 27. We see that Luke records in his gospel a dispute among the disciples. It happened that very evening. Do you remember what it was about? They were arguing, which one of them deserved first place? Which one of them deserved first place? Now, if you think about that happening, and then right here, the example of Jesus, what he's doing, it's amazing. This foot washing serves to emphasize the need to learn this important lesson that Jesus was about to demonstrate with the towel and the basin. So Jesus rose from supper. He removes his outer garment. He's still wearing his tunic. Can you get the picture? That's kind of important because he takes off his outer garb and he's got the tunic on. Well, what's the tunic? It's the normal dress for a servant, for a slave. It's a picture that you can even see there. And he wraps a linen towel about his waist so he can carry a basin of water. And he begins to systematically wash his disciples' feet. We don't really do foot washing today, do we? I'm grateful. (laughs) Yeah, but in the near, uh, back then in the Near East, foot washing was a very important, but we need to remember this, it was an undesirable task. Because of the sandal-type footwear that folks wore and the dusty roads, there was no I-25, I-40, Paseo del Norte, these dusty roads, most hosts would have a servant that would be there at the door 
and would take care of washing the feet of the guests. But not all. We just assume, well, everywhere, just someone did that. No. As highly esteemed as rabbis were, there were some folks who would not normally wash the feet of rabbis. This is too much. It's too lowly and dirty of a task. I think it's interesting to note. So that would be the duty of a slave. But did you know this little tidbit? A slave of Jewish birth, a slave of Jewish birth, could not be forced to wash feet. I mean, it's a big deal to submit to doing that. And yet we find Jesus, Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the suffering servant, washing the feet of these disciples. You would think that would be a really good thing, wouldn't you? But with it comes resistance. Let's look at verses 6 through 11 and see the resistance that Jesus faced. He came to Simon Peter. You knew that was coming, didn't you? Who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you don't understand now. That's important for you to note. You don't understand now, but afterwards you will know. You will never wash my feet, ever, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. That got Simon Peter thinking, didn't it? And look what happens in verse 9. Simon Peter said to him, okay, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Just go for it. And Jesus responds in this way, verse 10. One who has bathed doesn't need to wash anything except his feet. But he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. This is why he said, you are not all clean. So it's interesting to know Jesus comes to wash Peter's feet. He's immediately met with resistance. Impulsive Peter, of course, uh, Peter the leader, something like that's going to happen. Some uh, commentators have suggested that Jesus is symbolically portraying something here as he's doing this act, the humiliation of his death. Do you realize the humiliation of crucifixion? Do you remember that? Have you studied that? The humiliation as you're stripped of everything humanly known, including clothes. And, and he's portraying this humility of his death, humiliation, but with this act of washing the disciples' feet. But I think there's a practical uh, application here. And it's, did you catch it? It's in verse 10. In Jesus' response, uh, we, we find something to Peter's request. Jesus is referring more to something else than feet. Are you reading between the lines? Do you see that? He's speaking about spiritual purity. He's seeking about holiness. When we see clean, cleanse in the Bible, it equals holy. What does that mean? It equals that which is acceptable to God. If you ever go to Israel, you'll come to the steps of Jerusalem and over to the side there, you'll see these dugouts, if you will. They were little bathtubs, if you will. And people would come to the temple. What would they have to do? They would have to ceremonially wash themselves to be clean, a picture of being spiritually clean, acceptable before the Lord. I think Jesus is talking about that here, and we need to see that. The underlying principle for us is that those who have received the first bath of regeneration do not need to be bathed again. In spiritual terms, that means if you're truly saved, if God has truly saved you, you're saved. 
You don't have to next week get saved again. Oh, I, I committed a sin. I got to get saved again. I got to get saved again. And we get that phrase, bath of regeneration, from Titus chapter 3. So I'm going to attempt to turn in my Bible to Titus. If you want to join me, great. And we'll take a look at Titus chapter 3. I should have marked it in my Bible. I'll get there eventually. Here we go. Titus chapter 3. Does anyone have it? <laughs> I'm almost there. Here we go. Titus chapter 3. Listen to verses 4 through 7. And think about this, this principle. But when the goodness and love for man appeared from God our Savior, he saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. Wow. Through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This Spirit poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. So that phrase is there in, in God's Word showing us about this first bath of regeneration, regeneration, salvation. God's saving us. Now, we don't need to be bathed again in this way, saved again. But wouldn't you agree we need to wash up from time to time? We need to be cleansed of our sin. You see, that first washing or that bathing of regeneration, that deals with the relationship. The second one being cleansed over and over again, that deals with fellowship. The first washing, the washing of regeneration, what Jesus did when God saves us, it's done once and for all. Can I make that clear to you today? Those of you watching, clearly it's done once for all. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. Read that. You read that great passage of what Christ has done, and you get to verse 12, and it says it's done once and for all. There is no new revelation that's coming, church. There is no new book that is coming. There is no new sect or religion or faith path or whatever. It is Jesus. We remember Jesus today and what he's done and his sacrifice was once and for all. It's enough. But there's daily sins. And we need confessing, don't we? We need cleansing, 1 John 1, 9. If we, what, confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to what, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we need that over and over again. You see, the blood cleanses eternally from guilt before the law, but as believers, we need constant cleansing from the daily defilement of our sin. And if you didn't sin this week, why don't you ask God about that? See what he... You know what? I have prayed this prayer so many times. God, reveal to me where I have sinned. Do you know he, <laughs> he is faithful to reveal down to the smallest point? Have you ever tried that? We don't have to walk around and say, boy, do I need to confess something? No. Ask him and then confess. And he is faithful and just to take care of that. So let me just stop here before we move on. Where are you today? Where are you today? Do you know that gospel? Do you know about the sacrifice of Jesus that we're going to observe in a minute? Do you know that Jesus, God himself, we, we, we sang the word Emmanuel, came and dwelt among us? We know that God loved us so much he sent Jesus. 
Gregory shared the, the scripture this morning from Romans that God demonstrated his love towards. How did he do that? He sent Jesus who died for our sin while we were yet, while we were still sinners. What about you today? The Bible is very clear, folks. Everybody has a death date. And the moment that happens, judgment awaits. Eternity awaits. And it's either with God forever in heaven or it's separated from God forever in hell. Salvation has to occur on this side of death. The abundant, joyful, spirit-filled, full life, uh, meaning and purpose in life cannot happen on this side of death unless God saves you. And he stands ready and willing. His scripture tells us, folks, that he is patient. He is not returning because what? He is waiting for more to be saved. Are you saved? Has there been a time in your life where you uh, acknowledged where your life was going, you repented, you left that, and you ran to Jesus and asked him to forgive your sins, to give you a new way of life, repenting from that, not just being sorry, but repenting and running to him and asking him to save you, to forgive you, and to be your Lord. I like the word boss. That works in the English language pretty well. He wants to not just save you, but be your Lord, be your boss, your master, the controller of your life. Have you done that? If not, why not today? What a great time to do that as we observe the Lord's Supper. Now, folks give me all kinds of excuses. Well, that sounds good for you, but that's just not for me. Have you ever heard that? Well, I, I, I kind of interpret things differently than you do. Or I'm not sure I believe there is, you know, we could go on and on. Or, or the, the big one is, you know, I'll get around to that. Remember verse 11. There was one in the group who had never been bathed and cleansed. His name is Judas. Again, where are you today? We make a choice today. If we're not a follower of Christ, if we're not a born-again believer in Christ, we make the choice today to accept that or reject it. And I just want to encourage you. Well, let's move on to the last verses here. Verses 12 through 20. I think we get the explanation of it all. Starting in verse 12. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his robe, he reclined again. Do you remember that? They didn't have recliners. They sat down and reclined at a short table. Are we good with that? Okay. So he reclines again and he says to them, here comes the teaching. It happens in chapter after chapter here. Here it comes. Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord. This is well said, for I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. So there's something we can remember. His example, verse 16. I assure you, a slave is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know those I have chosen. 
But the scripture must be fulfilled. And then he quotes scripture here. The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I assure you, the one who receives whomever I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives him who sent me. After washing the disciples' feet, Jesus returned to the dinner table, and he begins to explain, and he explains some before Judas leaves, and of course he explains more afterwards. But he explains the meaning of his actions. He begins to remind them who he is. And he refers to two specific titles. Did you catch that? We have different words in the English language. My translation, it says teacher and Lord. Simply teacher, the idea of someone who has authoritative teaching. Does that make sense to you? And we know that true of Jesus, right? When he taught, people were like, they were astounded, amazed, all those words in Scripture. But he also says, Lord. What does that mean? I think simply, Lord means he has authority over it all, over all of life. And he says, you call me this, and you've done so rightly. So then, why is it that he washed their feet? Well, I think the example I want us to, to really hone in on today is he does it as an example of humility. Verse 14. We mentioned earlier he does it as a rebuke of pride, Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 27. He does it as a picture of our daily cleansing, we saw in verse 10. It's a warning to Judas in verse 18. It's a picture of his humility. Have you read that mind of Christ section, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11? The humiliation of Jesus as he empties himself from heaven and he comes to earth. Humility. And it's a reminder of his communion, his relationship with the believer from verse 8. So today for us, as we remember Jesus' sacrifice for our sins, we need to remember. We need to remember his body, his blood. Yet we can also remember other things. His servanthood, his humility that we see in the foot washing. We call this our Lord's Supper. So let us remember even the humility of Jesus. And listen to this. Let us remember how he knows us. Even in our sin, he knows us. How he loves us. Even in our sin. How he is focused, laser-like focus on us. God's children. We're commanded to look to Jesus and remember. We're command, commanded to examine our own lives. Something hit me as I was led to this passage uh, a few weeks ago, and it, it was this, that um, sometimes people get this idea, you're supposed to examine yourself before you partake of the Lord's Supper. Anybody ever heard that before? You are. I think... However, sometimes we just examine ourselves in this little box and we forget that we are part of what? What does the Bible say? We're part of the, the family, but the body, right? And so I believe we should 
we should, uh, hopefully, before you even came, but even right now as God's Spirit speaks to you, we should examine ourselves not just right here in my little box, but also in my relations with my brother and my sister and my brother and my sister. How's my humility quotient? Am I willing to submit? And I'm willing, if you will, to wash feet. Am I willing to follow all of Jesus? Wow. So we're going to do that this morning. Before we partake in the Lord's Supper, I want to take just a few moments and spend it in prayer. And let me just remind you, this is the Lord's Supper, so it's for believers. So if you've got a little kid and they're not yet a believer, it's a great teaching moment for you. Or if you're not sure about your salvation, it's a great time just to pray for God to help you with that. But it's for that. So I want to allow just a couple minutes to pray and specifically pray about how we might remember especially Jesus' humility, but also the example just that he sets for us. So we, we did this before. We're going to try it again. I didn't give you a fair warning like I did last time. If you feel led to gather up with the person next to you, two or three or four people, and not leaving someone else, I'm going to give you just a couple minutes to pray. Are you ready, church? Go. Just join together. Pray. Pray for that person next to you. Just pray for God's work in their life. Pray that Jesus, Jesus would be Lord and Master, teacher in life. So join together and pray. This is a time you can pray out loud so that person next to you can hear you.
Thank you for praying together in those groups. Maybe as a couple, maybe a new friend you're going to meet uh, after the service this morning. Introduce yourself. Maybe it was a longtime friend you like to sit with here at church. I want to ask you to do one more thing now. I want to have one more prayer time, just you alone with God. Would you do that? Do not pray with someone next to you. Just can we spend just a few moments with the Lord, just you and the Lord, and asking Him if there's anything that you need to confess. But also beyond that, would you make it also a prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving for the sacrifice that He made for us sinners as we observe the Lord's Supper today. So take a minute right now. Would you just spend a few minutes with the Lord? many people in a room uh, watching online we can be praying simultaneously to you and God you are creator and you have the capacity to hear our prayers and we're grateful for that and we cry out to you this morning as sinners as ones who need a savior and we're grateful and thankful and full of thanksgiving that you are our savior and our Lord, and we want to remember today. So thank you, God, for this opportunity to talk with you and allow you to speak to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, thank you for that. Hopefully when you came in, uh, could you bring the lights up just a little, please? When you came in, you got one of these, but we want to make sure everyone that needs one did. So we have ushers uh, back there's Bob. Raise your hand if you did not get one of those. So God, keep it up high. We'll get those to you. Thank you. All right, great. Anyone else? Bob, we've got one down front here, all the way on the edge. We'll get everybody in. Thank you, Jerry. 
I see one, Jerry, I see one more right back here. Two on either side of the aisle. Some of our musicians were here before we handed them out, and they came in and led us and sat down, and they needed one, so we're getting them. Anyone else? I'm looking. It's nice to be able to see you guys with these new lights. That's great. All right. Thank you for that. So let's think about this for a minute. We, we have a container that has a wafer in it that symbolizes Jesus' body. And then, of course, we have a cup of juice, a color of blood, which will symbolize that Jesus' blood. And I remind you that there's nothing mystical or magical about this. These do not transform anything. They're, they're, they're symbolic. They remind us of the sacrifice of Jesus, the creator of the world, who allowed his body to be broken for us and who shed his blood for us. And we're commanded in scripture, as often as we do this, to remember. And I'm reminded that without the shedding of Christ's blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That's what scripture says. So we claim the blood of Jesus. I often have people say, well, you, you guys are kind of a bloody group. You talk about blood a lot. And it's like, yes, Jesus shed his blood for us. The atonement. Jesus, he took our place. He offers, he alone can do that, offers us salvation. So we're going to remember today. Let me read from, to you from Mark 14, 22. Again, a different gospel picturing this upper room time, right? As they were eating, Jesus took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to them and said, take it, this is my body, and we do that today. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you today that you were willing to follow God's will and gave up your body to be tortured and killed and that you provide salvation to us. And God, we want to remember today and we do remember Jesus. And we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Then we have the cup here. And again, reading from Mark chapter 14 verses 23 and 24 this is what it says then Jesus took a cup after giving thanks he gave it to them and so they all drank from it and he said to them this is my blood that establishes the covenant it is shed for many so let's take As we move this morning to our response time, I want to remind you of something. Did you catch the last phrase there? Jesus said it shed for many. Jesus awaits with arms wide open. He draws people to himself. We're not here by accident. 
you're not watching online by accident. God is in the midst of that, and his arms are wide open. Jesus' blood has been shed, it says, for many. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for that. I'm one of the many. What about you? What about you? I'm a Gentile. I'm a kid from a mixed-up family. <laughs> God, save me. Aren't you thankful to be one of the many? We're going to have a response time. It's a chance for you. I'll be right down here. Others will be right here. It's a chance for you to respond to whatever God is saying in your heart. Perhaps God has revealed to you the need for salvation to nail that down. We can do that today. Would you come? Perhaps it's a step he's asking you to take. Maybe you're a believer, you've never been baptized, and you need to take that step. Maybe you've been wandering around and you need a church family. You need to take that step in the process. Perhaps sin has been revealed in your life, and you just want to nail that down, that confession. Whatever it might be, we want to give this response time, this opportunity to you. Perhaps if you've got all that nailed down, you might pray this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the many, and that I'm one of the many that your blood was shed for. So God, speak to us this morning. Give us courage to respond. Let us focus in at this moment on you. In your name we pray, amen. Would you stand together just during these few moments? If you want to respond, do it now. We won't go long. We'll wait. We'd love to pray with you, talk with you. You respond. Folks, pray as you feel led. perhaps today we'll go a minute longer perhaps you would you say I'm so thankful to you Lord for the sacrifice you made for me if that's on your heart today would you just lift up your hand I want to be encouraged by that anyone would you say Lord I'm so thankful today for what you've done thank you so much for that amen thankful today and we remember for the sacrifice you made. God, we use the word sacrifice and it seems so sanitized sometimes. God, remind us of the horror of the brutality. God, remind us of truly what Jesus experienced on our behalf, even unto death. And God, we celebrate that on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. We celebrate that on Easter Sunday, God. And, and we celebrate the fact that he is Lord. 
and that he has conquered sin and death and the grave and Satan and that he desires to have a relationship with us. And we're thankful for that today, God, that we can be part of that. So God, thank you that today we could remember and focus in on Jesus. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. It's, it's always one of my favorite things in the world to do, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. I hope it, it doesn't become rote for us or just something that we do. If you noticed, it's no longer scheduled exactly on our calendar. It could happen here or there, and that's a good thing as we're led to do that and we celebrate and remember. And so thank you for being here. And thank you for not being out of town. We're really grateful. Us pastors are always happy when there's someone around so we can, we can pastor, we can shepherd, we can do life together. I, I observed some great classes earlier this morning. I know we've got a bunch getting ready to go today. So I'm very thankful for that. And don't forget to remember tomorrow as well, those who have sacrificed uh, for our freedom. We're grateful for that. We're going to conclude the service today with my friend Drew, who I guess also did not have enough money to go out of town this weekend, on the holiday weekend. So I draw your attention to the screens, and Drew has a few important announcements. Well, hey there. Thanks so much for worshiping with us here at Hoffman Town Church this morning. If you're here on site, you should have received a copy of the compass on the back here. You're going to find a purple tear-off communication card, which you can use to let us know that you were here. If you were a guest with us this morning, just fill that out, tear it off, and then drop it into the tall wooden boxes that you're going to find by each door as you exit the worship center today. If you're online today, you can find that same card at hoffmantownchurch.org slash comcard. That's C-O-M-M-C-A-R-D. Well, we are only one week out from one of, if not the most fun and exciting event that we have all year here at Hoffman Town Church. And no, I'm not talking about the special business meeting for the church budget vote. No, what I'm talking about is Vacation Bible School Destination Day. Kicking off right here, Monday, June 7th, going through the 11th. Each morning from 9 a.m. to 12.15 will be loaded with awesome games, tasty snacks, fun crafts, and most importantly, gospel-centered lessons that will help kids uncover the truth about Jesus. This is a free event and we've got a lot of kids already signed up from all over our community and we have an amazing opportunity to have a direct impact in their lives as well as the lives of their families. It's not too late to sign up. You can head to our website, hoffmantownchurch.org slash VBS. We'd also ask that you would commit to praying for this event and for all the kids that come through our doors, that Jesus would be glorified and be made known in all that we do. Well, hey, we do have a special vote coming up on June 20th for our church budget. And the week prior, June 13th, we'll be holding a special budget Q&A session over in room B100 at 2 p.m. If you are a member here and have questions about the budget, the budgeting process, or voting, I'd encourage you to make plans to attend this meeting. You can find out more information 
about this in the compass. If you're online today, you can view the compass online at hoffmantownchurch.org slash compass. Well, that's all I have for you today. Once again, thank you so much for joining us here today. Be sure to come back next week as Pastor Lamar starts a new series on the fruit of the Spirit called Cultivate. Until then, you have a great week, and we will see you next time right here at Hoffman Town Church. <laughs>